Canadian Professional Football. This half of today's Great Cup game is brought to you by Rouge White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Oz Davis. I'm the host of the show. And because my typical co-host, Joe Pritchard is in Canada already having fun before the 2023 Grey Cup. We are joined on the Bruce White Blue by our old friend, Greg St. James. Second time this month. Yeah, that's I yeah man. Well, actually, no. Second time this week? <laughs> within it? a week, yeah. Wow, I think it's the second flies. time within the week, man. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, second time this month. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the CFL playoffs. Uh, all right, so we've got the uh, getting right down to brass tacks. We've got the Montreal Alouettes, the upset winners of the Eastern Division against the now fourth consecutive uh, appearance by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the line on this game is uh, it's now up to eight points. It opened at seven, now up to eight points. Uh, in the Bombers' favor, and the over/under is forty-seven. Now, Greg, I know you're not much of a gambling man, but uh, I am, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna use you to, to justify my picks on this game. I hope. Um, I don't know how would you. What are you looking for in this game? And also, I wanted to have you on because you're more of a history guy. So yeah. I wanted to ask you, where does this? season stand historically where would you how will we look back on this season well i think we're going to look back at the season and we have to like frame it in a we have to frame it in the sense that you know it wasn't that long ago what's 20 this is 2023 so three years ago we didn't even have a season I mean, people were sounding the death knell for the CFL. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is it, and I think it's, uh, it's bounced back well. Mm-hmm. It's bounced back well. I mean, um, with the season in general, very you know, obviously what the Argos did, and you know the Winnipegger. Eh, when, I was going to say Winnipegger. Um, the Blue Bombers' uh, dominance. You know, you got BC bouncing back. Unfortunately, then, but then you have lower teams like the Red Blacks. And then you've got the, obviously the Elk situation, which right now isn't good, but you know, all franchises have their ups and downs. So I think when they, when you look back on the season, it'll be one of the better seasons, but I think it'll be a seen as kind of, you know, the CFL is coming back. It'll be seen in a positive light. Because nobody's talking bankruptcy. Unless I've missed something in the conversation, nobody, I mean, hell, nobody's even bitching about the attendance at Argos games. Now, obviously, they had a record-setting crowd at for the for the, the, the final, but, you know, which was great to see. But I think, yeah, no, I think overall, I guess you would have to, if I would, I, if I would have to give this season a grade, it'd be an A. Mm-hmm. Just overall, I mean, Nobody's talking. Nobody's talking crap about our league. Mm-hmm. 
which which I'm kind of loving. Yep, 2020 canceled season, 2021 abbreviated season. And uh, yeah, you're right. There was at the time, 2019, 2020, 2021, this area, we were talking about merging with the XFL, um, which I thought was a weird idea at the time, as did you. <laughs> um, that is over. Uh, I remember when uh, COVID was on that Commissioner Randy Ambrosi went in front of Canadian Parliament and said, please give us $70 million. And they said, no, thank you. Um, they were, no, they were like, for what? Yeah, that's passed. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this was actually the first season in, in those three, four years where, you know, we didn't have to talk about this kind of stuff. So right. yeah, in that respect. Yeah. I was struck throughout the whole season, really, especially as an Al's fan about how incredibly top heavy the league was this year. Uh, of course, some of that just mathematically has to do with the fact that Toronto was 16 and two. Uh, those losses yeah. come from somewhere. Uh, but it was amazing to me. Four teams with winning records and Montreal, one of those teams, could not beat a team with a winning record in the regular season. So <laughs> quite the top heavy league this year. Um, you were talking about going forward. I don't know. I feel like. Maybe not so much in Ottawa, but there is optimism in Edmonton. Edmonton yeah, closed I, out the season. Yeah, well. yeah. I mean, Edmonton closed out. I mean, there's always hope, and obviously, Edmonton Edmonton fans are diehard fans, and our friends over at uh, the Turf District can attest to that that they are a hardy bunch. So they'll bounce back. Obviously, they fired their president. <laughs> so. You know, I guess things are, I guess, you know, when you fire your president, things can, you know, up is the only place to go at this point. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see. I mean, what they ended the year four and 14, mm. um, you know, their points, I'm just looking at the standings here. They're, you know, obviously their offensive output was the worst. Is it the worst in the league? Yeah. It was the worst in the league. So they got nowhere to go, but up mm. and hopefully they do. Personally, I mean, I, you know, I think the Elks people, you know, a lot of people, a lot of older fans, you know, weren't happy with the name change because during that, you know, obviously we had that name change, mm -hmm. um, you know, so, you know, they've got, they've got to, they've got to bring back not only the old fans, but attract the new fans. And it's a hard task. And when you're not winning games, it makes things even harder. So, you know, that, that's my, my take on it with, uh, you know, with the Elks. Yeah, but who knows if they had started Trey Ford from the beginning of the season, who knows? Yeah, true, true, uh, true. By the same token, if they had won that crazy game with Saskatchewan with all the rouges and then the uh, the mistimed final rouge at the end of the game, if they had won that game, who knows? They might have stuck with Cornelius for the entire season and, you know, had yeah. one win. <laughs> they might have gone one in 17 this year so but that's the fun thing about sports isn't it it's all yeah. what if yeah it's, it's all, all what if what it's all what it's all what if what it could have should have and um <laughs> yeah yeah and you know the weird thing is i mean this season basically played out like last season more or less 
you know, when well, you, in the you end, look at, yeah, yeah, end. when you look at the standings, I mean, right. you could literally carbon copy, you know, and tweak, you know, like, oh, you know, obviously, um, Toronto's record stands out. So that was the, that was the big news of the season. But as Toronto, you know, until the upset, <laughs> until the upset. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that was so wild. Um, Going into that game, I think I think the the point spread ended up at ten points, but that thing started at eleven, eleven and a half in some places, as the the Alouettes were underdogs, and now here in the finals against Winnipeg, you know, again the three time the three time at least Western champion, uh, yeah. it's only eight, it's only eight now. So I was as a Montreal Alouettes fan, I was quite pleased um, with oh, yeah. that result. Uh, yeah. As a football fan, you know, I said going into it as a football fan, it might be a bit of a shame uh, for this team to put up the historical season and then lose in the playoffs. But <laughs> I don't feel that bad about it anymore. <laughs> nah, you know what? I mean, that's why they play the games, man. That's yeah. that's that's why we play them. So, yeah. you know, Toronto will bounce back, I'm sure. I mean, they spent a lot of money. If, you know, remember how they built this team. With a lot of free agent signings. So, and then it also begs the question going to the business side is MLSE going to be, are they going to continue pouring money into the Argos? To me, so I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. We got people in the stands starting to generate excitement. Is MLSE going to continue on this road? Because, I mean, we still, and I forget who said it. I think it was with one of the guys over at the at the LOS flight deck. Yes, things are great. Things are things are good. But man, there dark clouds can appear for our league at any time. And obviously, with Toronto being the franchise, you know, being the, you know, I mean, it's the largest city in Canada. With so it's the flagship franchise. So is MLSC going to just keep sticking with it and and hopefully? Hopefully, knock on wood, turn a profit at some point with the Argos. You know, to me, I look at it from the business side, just going, okay, this is great, but man, can we sustain this? Mm -hmm. This enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so it's pretty amazing that we want to uh, sustain this sort of enthusiasm in Toronto when in BC over the past two seasons, you've turned one of the more apathetic fan bases. Uh, in the CFL into a viable uh, source of income. I mean, right. BC, BC had great attendance this year. And the what thing was that... it? I mean, let me see. Uh, what was the final? No, I was just curious in terms of um, what their what their average attendance was this year. Let me pull up the CFL database. All right. While we talk, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. I'm go ahead. I didn't mean to cut. Oh, you. no, yeah. no, no, no problem at all. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Toronto does going forward. I would hate to think that MLSE would lose um, all interest in Toronto based on the one loss, uh, particularly since this does seem to be an infrastructure uh, based improvement i mean again mm -hmm. this team ended up being the hottest team 
at the end of last season. Right. And so they've been on what now? So this would be a 24 and three run. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. pretty good for a football team. You know, that's 2003, four Patriots level at that point in pro football. That is, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's quite, uh, and that begins in the playoffs last season, and goes to now. Uh, right. So you know that's that's quite a run, even if that third loss uh, came during the Eastern Division Final. So I I hate to see that. Uh, I think that there actually is some possibility for continuity here. I mean, Toronto is built this team from Chad Kelly up. You know, they've got a lot of quality Canadian players on the league. They uh, smoked in the player awards this year, which I'm kind of glad to have you on for um, because Joe can't stand individual player awards. and doesn't like to talk about them. Uh, I was not really thrilled with Chad Kelly winning the MOP. Uh, do you have any... Do you have any take on the individual awards? Well, you know what? When it comes to quarterback, I, I to me personally, again, your most outstanding player, it's always quarterback. Always quarterback. Always quarterback. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at Brady Oliveira. Right. Why isn't he the most? Yeah, again, yeah, I mean... I mean, we saw him just literally go full-blown Larry Zonka in the championship game in the West Final. Why isn't he? I mean, he, you know, 1,500 rushing yards in the CFL? I mean, right. people and don't even just rush short that much in the NFL. Purpose. Yeah. Just short of 2,000 all-purpose yards. Yeah. That's a lot of yards. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? And uh, that's an, that's really an outstanding season right i mean yeah, if, if this award meant what it said i mean i really think right. that Oliveira would have been in more contention. yeah i mean i'm I'm looking at the receiving yards of um you know your top receiver this year was tim white who only mm-hmm. had what 1300 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. again with the cfl they, they they spread the ball around which is great right. so it keeps those numbers kind of in check but no to me it's Oliveira. you know i mean it, it, he picked up when um hang on a second here. I'm when um I'm drawing a blank here when um when they traded away uh to Toronto. The the running back. Um yeah, Andrew he Harris. picked up the Andrew Harris, yeah. yeah. He picked up the Andrew he picked up the torch. Right. The torch was I remember when the torch was passed from, from him to Har- from Harris to him, mm-hmm. and he just literally just picked it up and just kept running with it. Yeah. So yeah, to me, I mean, yeah, he should be, yeah, it should be, you know, he had the most rushing touchdowns. He had the most yards. Um, Let's see here. I'm trying to see if there's anything else here. Uh, I can see yeah. he led. I mean, you know, I, I, I was thinking through the first half of this year, especially playing fantasy CFL football, um, for a while there, I was convinced that Olet, was the MVP, uh, was the MOP, I should say, of the Argos for yeah. a while. And then uh, they, you know, Toronto clinched this season so quickly 
that they were able to shuttle in and out OLED for the rest of the season. But damn, I thought he was having a great year. I mean, he was, aside from Vernon Adams, he was a fantasy go-to guy for the first, what, 10 weeks of the season. So I was looking at him. I was kind of disappointed with the, with the, uh, win of kelly i mean we can't take this too seriously it has no effect on the games whatsoever uh but you know i would i would like the league to get i would like football to get a little bit more original once in a while i mean as a as a rams fan i can tell you a couple three years ago when they won the super bowl the mvp of that season was cup period Period. I mean, you know, you can talk about quarterbacks all you want, but our, my Rams had a receiver was literally open anytime he ran a route, and uh, they got to the Super Bowl that year, and he basically won them the Super Bowl as well by his play in the fourth quarter. So every once in a while, and I mean, like this year, I mean, of course, I think Oliveira was probably your MOP, but you know. How about Matthew Betts? <laughs> you know, that guy was so dominant on the defense this year. And again, like it's hard to it's hard to praise uh a a defenseman on the BC Lions who in right. the second half of the season were giving up 31 points per game on the defense. But I mean, Betts was just dominant like we haven't seen a player B since what Adam Big Hill a couple three years ago yeah. when he was crushing it for Winnipeg. I mean, that's just had a hell of a season. So nice that he became uh, the most outstanding defensive player this year, at least. But I enjoyed his season a lot. I, I don't know if he was, I don't recall if he was the Lions nominee for most outstanding player, but he could have been. Well, I'm uh, hang on a second here. I'm pulling up. I always, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm like, I like numbers, mm-hmm. you know, because to me, a lot of times when the defensive player, you know, defensive awards, it's more of a feel. Mm. Sometimes you're like, oh, why is he the defensive player this year? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got Mike, you got Micah Awe. I mean, you got again, you got Matthew Betts at 18 sacks. Yeah, yeah, that was you know, the thing, really. And, you know, and Betts also had what. Um, when it came to, he had four forced fumbles and let's see, I'm saying, I'm trying to see, that's the thing you dig down in the numbers and sometimes, yeah, you know, but yeah, I mean, but then he had fun, you know, I mean, Tyrese Beverett, I mean, fumble recovery. Yeah. You no, know, it's weird. There was only four fumble. I mean, he had, he led the league with fumble recoveries, but to me, that just seems low just in general. Um, but then again, in the CFL, you don't. I mean, you see fumbles, but you don't see a right. crap ton of them like you do in the NFL. No, um, no, no. Not so, but yeah, if out. I were right, <laughs> but if I were to go, I mean, 140 tackles by Micah Awe. I mean, but to yeah. me, you know, okay, that's 140 tackles. Your Calgary, yeah, yeah you know, but to me, I, I that that sacks number just stands out to me. So, but that's just my take on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, just comes, the the eye test. The eye test yeah. in some of these games, even when he wasn't getting the sacks, he was applying so much pressure that 
another guy right. on BC was getting the sacks. The problem with BC defense all season was is they got into this mode where they were just going for the big play all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, okay, our offense can score 29 points a game. So let's go for the big play. And, you know, this happens in football. This happens in football. If you've got one of these scoreboard spinning offenses, yeah, your defense mm -hmm. tends to do that. You know, we'll go for the yeah. big six. You know, we'll go for the big blitz, you know, uh, because our offense can make the big play even if we screw this up. Unfortunately, you know, for BC, they, they met Winnipeg in zero degrees Celsius and, you yep. know, that sort of thing wasn't going to work. Uh, we talked about on and our And we have show. to translate that for everybody who's American listening. That's 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> Low 30s, folks. Low 30s Fahrenheit. Um, and, you know, like we talked about on the show, in the game against Calgary, in the playoff game against Calgary, Vernon Adams had one of the best games of his career. Comes into this Western Conference final and truly has one of the worst games of his career, uh, certainly in terms of turning over, unfortunate turnovers, uh, three picks in that game. So, you know, this is obviously not a this, this big play defense is obviously not a viable strategy coming down the stretch. But, you know, again, by the same token, Betts just had a killer year uh, for the Lions. Uh, if if all alone, <laughs> uh, right, and took home the the most outstanding defensive player, the most outstanding Canadian player uh, this season. So good for him. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, kind of sad to see uh, Decoy, Mark Antoine Decoy of my Alouettes lose out on most outstanding. Canadian player, uh, but when you're going against Brady Oliveira, what are you going to do? Uh, he made up for it. He made up for it with the pick six in the Eastern Division final. Oh, <laughs> God, I'm so excited. That was the game of the year. Game of the year for me. <laughs> even, even in terms of betting. You got to love it in betting. One of the best things in betting football is you take the team that's the double-digit underdog. And then they get the pick six early in the game. You know, it's like as soon as that happens, you know at least you're going to win your bet. You know? Yeah, and well, the then it, it, it completely flips everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in this game, you could just see it. I mean, it's – the Argos were not expecting it. They're, you know, they like to say in football, in the post game, they like to say, oh, yeah, they got punched in the mouth. Now let's see how they respond. And that was the thing. Uh, the Argos looked like the kangaroo. You know, the kangaroo mm -hmm. who was actually had a punch landed on him for the first time. And so didn't know what to do. You know, and uh, that was the first drive of the game for the Argos. And the <laughs> the Owls just gave it to them. And that was it. The wind was out of the sails after that for the Argos, which was, again, Really shocking, considering how dominant they were this season. Well, so I guess the oh, main question. Sorry, go ahead. No, oh, no, I go guess ahead. the go main ahead. question. I guess the main question for me this season uh, or this week is just: What are you expecting in this game, Greg? How do you how do you 
see this oh, game playing out. I, you know what? As much as I would love to see Montreal just completely, you know, kind of do what they did to Toronto. <laughs> after watching the Blue Bombers game, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be. It's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, might have Montreal. I mean, Montreal just play. I mean, that was a different team that we saw play against Toronto than the other times against Toronto. So I don't know my gut. I mean, last year I made that, you know, I would, I said, you know, on this show that you would be a fool to bet against Winnipeg and what happened that fourth quarter that I did not see that I did not see. We had just moved to Japan and I had to leave in the fourth quarter because, you know, we just moved. We had paper, we had appointments and everything. So, mm. and I'm like looking at my phone going, son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. So, uh, but you know what? I'm going to go with, I, it'd be hard to bet against. It, it's hard to bet against Winnipeg. It just mm. is. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, my heart is with Montreal. I mean, I love Montreal. Great city. In fact, Montreal yeah. was the city yeah, that I city. was the last city. I was Canadian city. I was in before i came back to the states and then and then then moved to japan so um help somewhere you know hanging in my closet you know back here i've got my montreal got my montreal alouettes hat got my montreal old montreal alouettes jersey all right so i'm all in on montreal good but yeah i'm uh yeah it's gonna be hard to bet it's gonna be hard to uh hard to bet against them well, I mean, okay. Here's a bold head against head, 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 hard to bet against, um, hard to bet against Winnipeg. Well, here's the bold prediction: is that uh, okay? I don't think that Montreal will be putting up 38 points against Winnipeg. I also don't think that the Montreal defense and special teams will put up 21 against Winnipeg in this game. So yeah, there is that, but. I'm kind of looking forward to Joe and I were talking about this. You know, again, the line is 47. It opened mm-hmm. at seven and seven and a half to Winnipeg. So they're expecting a 27 to 20 game, at least the sports books are. But I can't even see that many points. Did, can you imagine 47 points no. in this game? No, no, no. Not with Brady Oliveira running the ball. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I I think you're gonna see. I think you're going to see the ground game be a big thing. Now, the question is, can is Montreal going to cue in on the run game? But I don't know. After seeing the way Oliveira just kind of ran over BC's defense, I don't know. That's a tough sell, man. Yeah. That, that is. It is. It yeah. is. Um I don't know. I guess the question for me is, do we have William Stanback grinding it out this game, you know, for the Owls? Uh, me personally, I'm looking for, I, I said it on the show. I'm thinking this is like a 16 to 10 or something like that, but that's that going to be, be, yeah, that's going to be depending on what kind of a lead the bombers get, if any, um, early on in this game. I mean, how quickly do we have to go to Cody Fajardo and the pass game? Uh, this is a team, the Alouettes, who, let's see, 29, 50, 70 points. So this is a team that's only been allowing 14 points a game this past uh, seven games. Uh, now, granted, you know, only one of those games was against a team with a winning record. Only, right. you know, 
three of those games were games against playoff teams. So, but still, I mean, not allowing points is not allowing points against in these two playoff games. They went the first seven quarters without allowing a, a touchdown. Um, yeah. You know, same thing happened in the back-to-back against Ottawa. Seven of those eight quarters of uh, the Montreal defense kept them out of the end zone. So the defense for Montreal is red hot right now. And Fajardo is not making mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, the key stat during this run is the turnover differential, which is 25 to five in these seven games in the Alouette's favor. And uh, as we saw last year in the playoffs, this is the time of year when Winnipeg does tend to turn the ball over when, you know, that, that ball stays in the quarterback's hands a bit too long. So again, this is giving, this gives the Montreal uh, fan hope. Uh, If we can get a first half lead, we have a chance in this game. Well, that's why we, again, it goes back to what I said. That's why we play the game. So it's, it, you know, and do we know, is weather going to be a factor in this game too? Uh, okay. So I was looking this up and pretty much seems to be the same conditions we faced in um, Toronto. I mean, uh, I, I'm sorry. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm not sorry. Pretty much the same conditions as they had in the Winnipeg BC game. So it's going to be right there around freezing, but no real precipitation is expected. Tell you what, uh, here's my tip for the better types out there. If you see that game start and there's snow on the ground, start hammering the under, especially with these teams this year. Uh, Because, wow, I mean, if you remember that Toronto, uh, Calgary breakup of a few years back where it started with snow on the ground. Um, that was the one bet I made that year that came home was just the under. And I just kept hammering the under. I just kept <laughs> investing more and more money in that under ended up winning by like a point. Uh, and of course that was the game when the freakish, you know, 108 yard interception return won the game for Toronto, more or less. Um, Let's see. So for Hamilton, actually, it's pretty nice there right now. It's in the 40s Fahrenheit. So, yeah, like I say, on uh, Sunday, yeah, again, we're looking at, like, mid-40s even. On Monday, so back into the 30s. Right. So it's not going to be a factor. It's not going to be a factor. Nope. You know. Nope. But again, these teams are built to grind it out. I right. mean, you know, the passing game in Winnipeg hasn't produced, uh, you know, more than 250 yards in what, a couple of months in a game. So, you know, I think that this is a real grind it out. I hope you like defense if you're watching this game because I get the feeling that's what you're going to get a lot of defense. Um, okay. What do you, what, what would be your prediction for this game? God, I'm going to stick you to it. Here. Oh, I'm going Win. I'm going Winnipeg, like 28 to Montreal's, you know, 17. I don't. I, oh, I, yeah, right yeah. There. I don't. Close I don't think it's. Under. I mean, it's going to be. It's not going to be that close of a game. So I'm going to give Winnipeg 10 points. Wow, no game. kidding. 
Oh, yep. man. You're yep. bumming me Now, out. again, I was wrong. I was really wrong last year. So we'll see. <laughs> now, this game in Japan time starts at 8 a.m. Oh, that's yeah, con- no, it's early for me. That's, that's, that's not bad for, for me. you, right? It's very convenient for me. Yeah, I mean, there you go. We got, as we're talking right now, you know, it is, what, it's approaching noon here, and I got the uh, the Thursday night game here right. on in the States. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect for me. It'll be, uh, you know, and the thing, you know, just thinking about this, too, the CFL playoffs, they went to Saturday games. And the ratings went up. Mm, yeah. Why can't we have Grey Cup Saturday? Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's not bad. Because that's yeah, because bad. I mean, again, this is where, and this is a whole other subject too. But just about again, the business of sports. Move the game. Move the game one day to give. You know, so you're not competing. Now, me, I'm not watching the Sunday night game. Back in the states, I'm watching the Grey Cup. I know right. where it's at. I mean, I, I know where my loyal, you know, my loyalties lie with the CFL championship game. Mm. I can watch Sunday. I'll, you know, I can flip back and forth. But we're in it. We're in, you know now we're at the point now where college football is essentially done. All the games have been more or less been played out. Mm. If I if I'm are we going to wait? Are we going into the last week in a college ball? Now that I think about it. Yeah, must be because the, uh, of course, you well know that the end of the regular season in college football is that Army-Navy game. Yeah. Right? And that's not on this week. So yeah. I'm no, pretty we still sure have about that... a, we got a couple of weeks before the Army-Navy right. game. Yeah, we got a couple of weeks left of college football. But most of those, uh, most of the conference playoffs have already been set. Right. Yeah. So they already yeah. know like Georgia versus Alabama. <laughs> you know, they are right. uh, the conferences already know their title games or at least yeah. their uh conference uh playoffs. So this is but then again, I mean so many of these football seasons are getting too long, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean they're just we're the CFL needs to do itself a huge favor, obviously from a marketing standpoint. They've been they've they've sucked for years, but yeah, I mean, move the games to Saturday. If you're going to compete, compete against college football mm-hmm. and at least have a fighting chance because none of those college football games, I mean, they have regional games, obviously, of regional interest. But, for instance, if you live in Chicago, okay, are you going to watch the Big Ten Championship? I mean, is that a real huge demand, even if Northwestern is in it? No, not really. No. You know, but the NFL rules Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, for, for many reasons. So mm-hmm. I just think the CFL would do it, could do itself a favor in future seasons, making a great cup Saturday. Um, but obviously that's not a bad idea, actually, Greg, because I mean, we've seen this happen over the past five, six years. Uh, the truth is that one of the reasons why the CFL gets American viewers in the summertime is not just because it's summer football, but because guess what? Fantasy football and betting, right? Mm-hmm. And and in June, in July, and in much of August, that's the only football. 
That's yeah. the only football. So at this time of year, yeah, you could play on Sundays if you want to. You can play on Saturdays if you want to. You got no competition. But for me, watching this phenomenon, the thing has always been how do you keep those Americans watching during the regular season? Yeah. And well, and it doesn't. Go ahead. Go no no go ahead go ahead. Finish well, I was talk. just gonna say, and your best bet is don't go head to head on Sunday. And uh, the schedule this year was quite good compared to you know the post COVID days where they weren't really sure what to do about the schedule. I'm not sure I like this. Uh, it's kind of uh, disproportionate the Eastern teams facing the Eastern teams and the Western teams facing the Western teams. But at least we don't have these crazy Friday games and Tuesday games anymore. Um, Keeping stuff on the weekend um, where your only direct competition for the American sports fan is college football. So and college football is so fragmented too. I mean, there's no team that has a national following, right? Well, there's no fantasy. Right. There's no fans. Which that's huge as well. Well, you know that's coming. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I uh, I've not I seen college football fantasy, but you know, if there's money to be made in football, and I'm just surprised nobody's done fantasy football for college yet. Or like oh, yeah with I'm sure it exists in pockets. It's yeah. just uh it's just hard with so many teams. I mean, you could make nowadays actually since they're consolidating these conferences so much, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you had like especially next season going forward if you had SEC fantasy football, you know, and you just you right. just keep it to that division for the hardcores, you know, that follow the SEC, for example. For example. Yeah. So I mean, I can assume that's going to happen. But on the other hand, I mean, again, and this is what we talk about whenever this conversation about XFL, USFL, whatever pops up, is that, again, you know, the CFL is established. It does have tradition. It does have history. And this Mm -hmm. means something. You know, people, history is not that big uh, of of a industry in sports, but it is there. It is there, yeah. even even if you care, even if you don't care, it's still well. And that's the, the thing with history. I mean, history does matter, but right. Um, hmm, how should I say? Few people care, right? Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter if they do because in the end, and I mean, you know, I heard this, I heard this, uh, you know, several years ago. In fact, by the reference, you'll be able to notice, uh, you know, Mark McGuire on the St. Louis Cardinals means something, you know, Mark McGuire on the, you know, Boston blue socks or whatever, doesn't mean a thing. You know, it just doesn't have the cachet, you know? And, and again, this is, you know, (laughs) when the merger talk was happening about CFL and XFL, I mean, again, you're talking about combining a league with, a year and a half history behind it and a league with a hundred plus years behind it. You know, you've got the Argos. This team is older than football. (laughs) You know, it's like, that means something. Again, that means something. That infrastructure may be invisible, but it's there. 
it's there. And even the Toronto Argonauts is an easier sell than what was it? The uh, Memphis Southmen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, of the WFL. I mean, it just is. It just is. It's an easier sell. That brand means something. Yeah. That it CFL does. brand does. means something. Well, and that. Okay, so for so to preface all this, so kind of where we're at in history right now with football, okay? The XFL has failed for a third time. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says on social media, especially the trollers and the hate the troll the guys that love to troll me that say you don't know anything you're talking about. You don't know your history. The XFL has not failed. It made money last year. I mean, you, we can go on and on and on with with with, you know, with the lack of people who follow football and God love them. Everybody loves football, but who just don't know the history. And it's like, no, it failed a third time because if we're reading the tea leaves correctly here, it looks like the USFL and this, and this, this next comment may not age well after, you know, the merger buyout announcement, whatever, whatever it is, um, whenever that comes out, but no, the XFL, way back, you know, when we're talking merger and everything was an idea on paper, was a good idea on paper. Um, but as good ideas on paper usually go, they were, it was poorly executed. And, um, you know, I mean, XFL news hub was all over it. The Argos, I mean, they, they took, there was a, if you remember, there was a rumor out there that the Argos were going to pursue and go to the XFL. There was a rumor based, I don't know, and it was like, well, it was a Canadian guy that 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 reported this. Okay, so where where did this BS? Okay, so they blamed Americans blamed it on the Canadians, but then the Americans who do XFL news, and I'm not talking about the guys over at Pro Football Newsroom or XFL Newsroom because they looked at it going, mm, doesn't pass the smell test, but. The other new XFL, and I'm using air quotes here, news outlet, um, took it and ran with it. And yeah, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to, you know, this is going to, the rock and, you know, the 2023 season, XFL season played out. And, you know, we're like, oh, that's all there is. Quote Alan Bean, Apollo 12, that's all there is. Well, yeah, the story came out, and I mean, this yeah. this was that whole that whole story got blown out of proportion really quickly because it was like the Toronto Argonauts uh, ownership met with the XFL and said, "Hey, here's a kooky idea," and then this became the CFL is going to merge with the XFL. At one yeah. point, um, you know, of course, back in the 70s when they had the WFL, the WFL wanted to move into Toronto. Canadian Parliament actually passed a law saying that there could be no professional football in Toronto unless it was a CFL team. Right. And so that was when they had to move the team before the season yeah. to Memphis. Uh, Johnny Bass actually man. made a law for this. Now, yeah. when these XFL rumors came out, uh, you know, there were parliamentarians who say, yeah, we're just going to introduce the Canadian football law again. You know, we're just going to we're just going to make a bill to avoid this. Well, and you so, know, it, yeah, 
it, go ahead. No, go ahead. And it's like, oh, that was this... it. I was just going to say, you know, and so this whole thing was a mountain out of a molehill. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. And then it turned out to be nothing but a paper tiger. Right. And, uh, you know, here we are, what, 2023. You know, the only news that's come out of the XFL so far has been now. And you probably saw me on Twitter, but, um, <laughs> or even on Facebook comment. There's a picture of Dwayne Johnson and Danny meeting with Tammy Duckworth, a uh, senator from Illinois. Right. The XFL wants to help the military. <laughs> and so me being, me being, and you know my memes, yep. and you know how my sense of humor is, <laughs> my hot takes are usually pretty hot when I take them. And so I commented on, I think, every XFL face group that I have not been banned from <laughs> and I posted that article and I go hey the average XFL fan can pass neither the physical requirements nor the educational requirements <laughs> to get in the military <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm still I'm I'm waiting really for the blowback I haven't really checked uh <laughs> check much <laughs> but uh you know that just you know, I gotta love. It. I mean, the XFL is great for players, and it's you know, I mean, these kids want their shot and everything. But mm. the fans, I mean, let's face it, the fans always ruin things for the for the rest of us. Sometimes, whether it be on social media, whether it be a meme taken a little too far, a sense of humor, or even just people's takes. I mean, social media allows everybody to have an opinion now. Right. But I just thought that was, I thought that was funny. I'm like, okay, let's let's you know because. Um, <laughs> You know, and again, everybody's like, well, why do you hate the XFL? I go, it's not so much I hate the XFL because I, I don't. It's the fans and how they reacted and treated the CFL. Because during that whole merger thing, that whole talk, that's when I kind of saw the worst in, in football fans, not so much on the Canadian side. And understandably, the Canadians were pissed. No, we're not giving up our game. Mm -hmm. We are not changing things. Uh, the XFL and I, hey, I watched the first XFL. I mean, the second XFL lasted five weeks. And during those five, that five weeks of life, I didn't have a free Sunday that I can recall. So I really didn't see the X second version. In the third version, obviously, I had quality time here after moving, you know, coming overseas. And I figured out a way to watch the XFL. Um, during the during the during the season, but kind of fell off towards the end because you know I mean I was I was underwhelmed by the product I wasn't yeah um, plus two you know some spring in Japan I wanted to enjoy spring in Japan I didn't want to spend every day all my weekends watching pro you know football if I didn't have to um, but Second the extra tier pro football to be honest yeah. Yeah, yeah, but minor league football, number one, yeah. minor league football in America is a tough sell. Yeah. On TV, even a tougher sell. Yeah. And I don't care what by my what Mike Mitchell says. The fact that we don't know the streaming numbers tells me that they were crap. Because if they were good, we would know the streaming numbers. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And, and maybe, I take him maybe and maybe this is the most successful sports streaming venture of all time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, and, and that's where I 
got, and again, I get hung up on the media and, and how people, when we, when uh, my buddy Dave and I, we did our XFL Infowars shows, mm-hmm. we looked at not so much the games, but how it was being covered in the media. Right. And, you know, we took XFL News Hub to task because everything that they kicked out as news was a press release. Was, mm-hmm. you know, it was much like they are, you know, the Baghdad Bob of, 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 of all alternative football news. Oh, wow. You know, that's, a, that's a deep cut. I, and I do have a meme for that on, on, on my, I did, I did put a meme <laughs> out there of XFL, you know, the XFL leadership announcing the latest ratings and you see the tanks, but you know, it's just, you know, um, but yeah, no, it's when it comes to, but yeah, when it came to history and everything, people just forget that these, these third party, these, these, lower tier leagues outside of the United States aren't a money maker. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's what it boils yeah. down to. They just yeah. don't make money. I mean, yeah. your, your indoor football leagues are constantly, you know, the arena football league has was around for 25 years. Yeah. But if you look at the history of that league, every year was a new year because yeah. the franchises would constantly churn over yeah. with your exceptions of say your Arizona Rattlers. Cause the Rattlers lasted, you know, and I'd have to look, I don't even know if the Rattlers are, st- hopefully they're still around, but um, the Rattlers and maybe the Tampa Bay storm, mm-hmm. your Orlando predators, those seem to be kind of the mainstays, but it's just constantly churning. So mm-hmm. um, aside from the CFL and the NFL, you don't don't then you know at least in north america you don't have pro leagues with any longevity mm-hmm. yeah know, it's Japan, weird I, I wonder why these folks decide to make one of these maverick leagues every so often um i don't understand why folks especially in the football game don't understand from history you know um a few years ago ice cube started that three-on-three league which apparently for basketball, which apparently is pretty successful. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, they don't have the huge TV deal and, you know, it's a different game. Yeah. It's three guys shooting hoops. Right. Now the arena league game (laughs) was, yeah, exactly. The arena league game was uh, different enough for a long time and they were smart because a lot of these teams were based in places like you know cedar rapids <laughs> you know yeah. uh we talked about this last time for a couple of years they had teams in alaska you mm-hmm. know like places where there's no hope to get a proper 22-man football team in there but yeah. for a while there that was the selling point of the arena league but then i just saw that they didn't play 2022 because of you know they were bankrupt yeah uh now that sports are a 12 month a year venture uh it's real hard to sell yeah 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 and unless you know unless you're a billionaire and and you have and you want to make a minor league you know let's use lamar hunt as a good example okay because in some ways the american football league was a vanity project of lamar hunt's Okay. So in the 21st century, unless you have somebody with as deep pockets as Lamar Hunt did back in the 60s and just took sole ownership of a, of a minor league, mm-hmm. whether it be a, let's say, let, let's just say, let's just use Arena League because that's, you know, 
because sure. you can control you would be able to control it. but unless it's somebody's vanity project that's willing to basically spend money and not really care about the bottom line yeah you're gonna yeah you know, your league's not going to be around for more than a and then it gets into owners and them not be, a really good example of this is and this is people forget and it's the all-american football conference right a real good example of the first because somebody and i i bring this up because somebody posted the aafc wasn't a failure i go well it's much like the aba was right it it, it took the, the 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 teams that the surviving teams and absorbed them um, so I think that, and I think that's, what's going to happen with the USFL XFL. They're going to take the, the four strongest markets, absorb them, maybe rename them, maybe give them some USFL, you know, give them a, uh, a legacy USFL name mm. to me. I mean, I, but who knows, but we don't know what's going on and it's driving you XFL fans crazy, mm. not hearing any news. And I just, you know, everybody's like, well, the government's making sure. Mark Perry broke this story. Insights, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, no, he knows exactly what the rest of us know is we don't know nothing yet, you know. And I'm right. reading this and I'm going, okay, I've dealt with, I dealt with the Department of Justice in 20 years. <laughs> For 20 years of my job, I dealt with the DOJ on a daily basis. Uh-huh. Mark Perry doesn't know crap. <laughs> he only knows he knows as much as I do by sitting on my couch, right, and watching or or in re- and not even watching TV now. It's just looking at my phone, reading what everybody, you know. So we'll know when we know, and I think, you know, I think XFL fans are going to be highly disappointed, but I think spring football fans are going to at least be happy that, mm. you know, they have spring football. USFL fans are like, okay, listen, this is great. But yeah, we know this may not last. So let's just enjoy it while we can. So when you're on social media, you kind of see a difference between the two fan bases. Mm-hmm. Um, the USFL fans, you know, know their history, whereas XFL fans only to me. And again, I'm not talking all of them, but because you know, a lot of them are, are, I've been on their shows. Um, they're great guys, but then there's a, a segment of the XFL fandom that is a rest. You know, I mean. The XFL, original XFL, the whole idea of the XFL was based on a wrestler promoter's idea. So the wrestling fandom is is kind of built into that. And the, re- you know, it's like, okay, guys, no, this, this, you know, this, this, this enjoy it for what it is. But um, if you're a Battlehawks fan, you know, enjoy the Battlehawks. But this is, but they're like, well, you know, this is going to show the the NFL that we can ha- support a team. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, and then they go back and they 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 like. Well, history shows that the CFL Colts, you know, were the reason why the Browns moved to Baltimore. No, they're not. What? It was just blamed. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't blame the 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 Baltimore Colt Stallions. Um, <laughs> I don't think they were the reason that the Browns came to town. Uh, the Browns came to town because they knew they could get a new stadium in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with the fan base. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do. It was just just sheer luck that that would be the place 
that they would land. No, it's Baltimore. It's Baltimore. They had a history yeah. of they had a hi- football. Yeah, there's history there. there. Yeah, yeah, it had no. nothing to do with the Stallions. As much as I would love to, you know, and, uh, you know, there's been some great, there's a great book about the Baltimore Stallions. It makes that argument. But I don't think, because I just think that, again, it boils down to, yeah, they uh, knew they could get a state. They knew they could get a stadium into a new stadium. And I, that's what it, and that's what it boils down to ultimately is money. Money mm-hmm. controls everything. And I think even with the spring leagues, um, everything I've heard, the USFL made money. Mm-hmm. Now, how much money are we talking a dollar <laughs> profit? But either way, I heard they were in the black and that came from a very good source, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Your, what's your take? Cause I mean, I've been kind of rambling about this, with what going on here about these spring leagues well again like i say there's too much there's too much history here they're 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 fighting history and the thing is like if you watch the nba for example um right now the league is at a point where there's i don't want to say too much but there's enough talent in the league where they'll be expanding soon you know they'll have a couple of expansion teams and the thing about uh, the thing about gridiron football, which has always been the bummer, is that look, just I mean, th- nobody plays this thing in any great amount, right? If you're a basketball player and you don't get drafted by the NBA, there's thousands of jobs for you out there. Yeah. Same goes with baseball and hockey. I mean, you don't have to graduate high school to play professional baseball or professional hockey. There's so many jobs out there around the world that, you know, you can go. I mean, there's a reason why there's no rogue basketball league, because the ACB in Spain is pretty awesome and it employs a lot of Americans. They've also got, you know, X number of other pro leagues in Europe. They got some leagues in Asia that are decent. They have some leagues in South America that are decent. And I was shocked when I came here to Japan. We got pro pro basketball here. Sure. Sure. And I mean, Americans or basketball players of any stripe can go play somewhere else but here here's football uh the the you know the nfl rosters are big enough so that a dude like nathan rourke finds it financially viable to be on a practice squad you know for years and years and years and who are you going to get in these other leagues the thing is the the thing that people forget about the USFL 1.0, the original one, and to some extent the World Football League before it, was because there were still viable markets not being exploited by the NFL. And these leagues could give a viable alternative, not a minor league, but an actual alternative to the NFL. I mean, hell, back in Angelo Mosca's day, the CFL was a yeah. viable alternative to the NFL financially for these guys. I mean, right. you'd have guys drafted by the NFL and they'd say, screw it, I can make just as much playing in Canada. Joe Theismann's a perfect example of that. Right. Joe Theismann, Rocky Bitch, uh, Rocket yeah. Ishmael. 
Yeah. 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 Right. These guys. Have Although the, the rocket might be kind of uh, um, not a good example because, you know, in reading Paul Wood's book right. about what they are, you know, if you read Paul Wood's book about the year of the rocket, you realize yeah. that was a one-off deal. Right. But going back into, you know, but in the seventies, you know, Angela Mosca's, um, Joe Theismann, we could kind of go down, um, go down the list, you know, yeah. I mean, there's more to the list here, but, um, well, I mean, even, uh, Warren moon. Yeah. Right? Well, Warren, Warren moon yeah. was literally not given a chance in right. the NFL could economically viably play in the CFL and crack the NFL eventually. Like a few guys do. Uh, yeah. Singleton did a few years ago, came into the CFL, took it by storm. And now he's playing for the Eagles. Well, actually I think he's not on the Eagles anymore. I forget what team he's on this year, but yeah. he was playing for the Super Bowl for the Eagles, right. you know, in uh, Canada. I mean, but so yeah, you're, but yeah, back, but the first USFL, yeah, it was a viable option. Right. Um, and I mean, that's what I always say in, in that first version of the USFL, in the WFL, you had name players, you had name coaches. And if you don't have the traditions of the Pittsburgh Steelers of the Dallas Cowboys, at least you could have Herschel Walker, Doug Flute, Heisman Trophy winning Doug Flutie, you know, um, the Minister of Defense, Reggie White. You know, at least you have viable names like this, recognizable names, even guys like Mike Rozier, who, mm -hmm. you know, had a hell of a college career, uh, but, you know, was drafted low in the NFL and so decided he was going to play USFL. Now, again, yeah. not a Hall of Famer. Not a superstar, all-time superstar, but a recognizable name, yeah. at least. And in yeah. my opinion, the thing about the XFL that has always been lacking is, Jesus, if I were in charge of the XFL marketing, I'd be playing this up. You know, hey, remember this dude from Alabama? You know, now he plays on Greg St. James's St. Louis Battlehawks. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you know now uh hey fans you know come check right. out this team or whatever you know the what was it the usfl the usfl had the potential to do this when they said okay we're just gonna play all our games in birmingham you know yeah. so okay so why don't you play up the the alabama the georgia the texas players that were in college but couldn't make the pros and yeah. people still remember them why aren't you exploiting that you and know it's, so it's yeah it's funny just from a marketing perspective looking back because sometimes i um i don't know i kind of go down a rabbit hole sometimes on pinterest pinterest and wow the, and there and there and there is the old advertisements in the tv guide about the usfl because back in the day right if you want to know what was on TV, you went to the TV guy. TV guy. Yeah. I mean, every people subscribe to it. Um, you, well, you, you, you. It was the are, number one magazine in America. Yeah, literally. So they had it at the you, grocery store checkout. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you had you, to get it every week. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure it's still out there somewhere in some form. But yeah, there was advertisements in there. So the USFL, the first one, did a pretty good job of marketing because they were tied in hand in hand with abc and right. abc paid a decent amount of money at the time um and obviously you know it wasn't the ratings that sunk the it wasn't the ratings that sunk the usfl it wasn't the players it wasn't poor play it was the the owners who yep. um 
you know, basically said, hey, screw this. It, what, everybody wanted to outspend each other, and then they yeah. spent themselves into bankruptcy. Yeah. And, and I just wrapped up Paul Reese's book um, about the USFL, um, obviously Jeff Perlman's book, and then you've mm-hmm. got other sources, you know, put um, the $1 league. But, um, right. but in essence, you know, the owners screwed themselves, and that's why. But ultimately, it goes back to the demand for spring football. I actually... Mm-hmm. You know, somebody mentioned today about online Facebook friend of mine. It's like, you know, I saw the USFL game championship game in 83 and it was sold out. It was a live of a big thing. And I go, you know, but you, and so then they're trying to make the argument for spring football now. And I'm like, man, it's the, the world has changed so much from a, a media perspective, from financial perspective. I mean, there's no way you can replicate and people are still trying to replicate that feeling of what the USFL was, what we're going on 40 years now. And that just, it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't be saying we're going to go into the NFL markets, but with no history, you know, you, you, you can't do it. You can't do it. I mean, it's so funny because here we are just a few years ago, uh LA didn't have any teams. Yeah. You know, uh the the ratings and whatnot uh of the NFL were still awesome because right. the truth is LA is a city of transplants and everybody just takes their favorite team to Los Angeles with them. That's mm-hmm. why if the Rams are playing the Eagles, you get fifty thousand Eagles fans at the game, is because you know people are taking their teams with them. But then you have the freaking USFL going, Oh yeah, one of our teams is gonna be the LA Express which flopped over like, you know, a, a fish on land in the eighties. Yeah. You know, here we are, we're introducing two new teams that can't sell. Well, the Rams can sell a little bit, but the chargers can't sell. Now you're going to throw in a minor league football team in a, in a, in a city where really the only team with any viable fan base at all is the Lakers. Right. You know, in any and the Dodgers. Well, yeah, but even the even the Dodgers are fair weather fans. Really? Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're I mean, fair weather not, fans. Really? I mean, oh, I know yeah. White Sox. I mean, being from Chicago, I know White Sox fans are. I mean, there's a hardcore following for the White Sox, but then you know, yeah. there's the Cubs, which you know, right. I've been in Wrigley Field many times when they were in last place to a sold out stadium. So, right. but I mean, know. the Dodge. Nah, it's not like LA is not like Boston. You know, Boston will sell out anything. Those are the Red right. Sox games will sell out no matter even the teams in last place. They're playing like, I don't know, the Rockies, you know, that game will yeah. sell out, but not in Los Angeles. No way. First of all, right. the team has to be winning. Second of all, there's so much other stuff to do in the summertime. It's just, oh, I mean, yeah. again, L- L.A. is not a great sports town. Um, you know, we the, the teams have their fans, but again, it's very... I mean, sports is not the priority here in in Los Angeles, in Southern California. Not at all. Not hmm. at all. I mean, you saw San Diego, right? To a smaller extent, that's Los Angeles. You know, that's the same problems. Why okay. am I watching the Padres when I could go to the beach? Yeah. You know, uh, especially live, especially nowadays when they're pricing everybody out of everything. You know, well, why would, yeah, I, and that why gets... would I do that? 
Right? Yeah, and that gets to the other issue, just in terms of just you know the economics part of it. Right. It costs so much to right. go to a game. Right. It's so much. I mean. I mean. And it's that not just be, pro; it's college. That would be the way to sell the XFL or whatever ten dollars seats. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I mean, but I even even, know, even, even then, that could do. But it. even then, but even then, I mean, this last year we 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 saw. I mean, the, the ticket prices for the the XFL games were cheap. Yeah. People still weren't going. And yeah, I mean, yeah. and you're talking places like Orlando. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. The XFL basically is a Southern League, and people weren't going. Yeah, I mean those stadiums weren't filled. Yeah, I mean, and, and unless you go outside the echo chamber, the XFL and USFL fan echo chamber, I mean nobody's really reporting on these. You know, nobody's reporting on these games, these players. But that's the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. We don't live in a world where people read newspapers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They read the news on their phone. Mm-hmm. We are so fragmented. So I just think in, in the way, honestly, to me, fan control football was an idea ahead of its time. Wow, really? For that? Yeah. I think so. And, you know, the reason why I say this is because they just hooked up, finally got around. Now that I'm in my new place, we're in our new place. I hooked up to PlayStation 4 and I downloaded Man. And the short George R.R. R. Martin's short story about the last Super Bowl. Right. Classic. I just I can play I can play any game. I can watch any game I want on and just let the computer play it out. Um remember during the pandemic, people were so desperate for football. They just there was like I'm so, you know, stuff on Facebook, people would post, I'm so desperate for football. I put on Madden and just let the play, season play out. It just, they would schedule games and let the computer play it out. But fan control football, you don't, I mean, low overhead, you don't need to bring in fans. You can play it. And it was a studio product. Um, and they played the games over Twitch. During the pandemic, dude, we it started this thing talking about betting. During the pandemic, people were so hard up that they were betting on Madden Sims of football. Oh, my God. I can believe it. These sports books would host these Sims of football games. Not only that, one of the more popular TV shows, I believe it was in April, was um, one streaming network, ran a tournament of NBA guys playing NBA 2K against each other right so it would be like kevin garnett versus you know kevin durant or whatever you know yeah. in the semifinals, you know and you know it was just they just showed you the game and you heard yeah. the guys talking on the on the microphone yeah. that's how hard up people were right and then we and we saw yeah yeah and then we saw during the pandemic at that same time the nfl played but they didn't have fans in the stadium and they made right. money yeah. Um, obviously the CFL canceled their season because they needed yep. but if the CFL would have been smart and the CFL is never known for doing things smartly. I mean, yeah, you know, they would have yeah, because remember Canada was closed off. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. so what about all these Canadian kids that that are never drafted in the CFL? How about just draft for a season? 
you know, you can't call it's like replacement players, I guess. I mean, without the, you know, without the, the stigma associated with being replacement players, right. how about, how about we just play all Canadian teams for a season and let it be a tryout for next year? I mean, uh, yeah. So yeah, the, the CFL could have had a season, but they chose not to. They used every to me. They used they, they took an easy way out. Well, we're not going to play because we can't get you know we you know they would bring up the subject. Well, we can't get players from America. You don't need players from America. You have Canadian universities and people with a lot of downtime at this point. Let's get out there and you know Canadian junior football. I don't know. I mean, we're we're past the pandemic, but I think going back to my main point, times are changing. But I think you know. The football we have now, hell, I'm streaming the game on my desktop right here. It's new. I mean, we're more connected than ever, but I think we're going to get to a point where it's going to be sports are going to be more of a studio product than they even are right now. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, lest we forget, this is a CFL podcast. Uh, Greg's got the Argos winning by nine or 10 points. Uh, still hitting that under 47. I, I mean, the Blue Bombers. Uh, Did sorry, you say the Argos? Like, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a Freudian slip for you. The Bombers. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, covering that point spread. Hitting the under. I kind of like one of those predictions. I don't like the other one so much. One more time, I got to say, go Alouettes. And I got to say, thank you, Greg St. James, for joining us on the Roos White and Blue today. Well, you're welcome, my friend. It's always a pleasure talking football and being in Japan. You know, my and people always wonder well, what's life like in Japan. Well, I'm like I live in an area where I'm the only, I'm the only white guy. <laughs> I'm the only guy that's speaking English. So any chance, anytime I get a chance to sit down, talk football, I'm all for it. So I know I, you know, um, no, I do appreciate asking me to come back on the show. And like I said, you know, anytime, you know. And I'm sure next year when Joe goes to take trips to Canada, go see his blue bombers, we'll be talking, we'll be talking more. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Hey, great. Thanks, Greg. Uh, enjoy the great cup and the same to our listeners. Enjoy the great cup. Uh, this has been the Rouge right blue for my substitute co-host, Greg St. James. I'm Oz Davis. Uh, this has been the Rouge right blue CFL podcast. Enjoy the great cup. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.